Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing. The podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm your host, you within. Joining me as ever, your other host, Christopher William Yum Glasson. How are you doing? Good evening. It's not evening, is it? No, it's 11 a.m. <laughs> Fuck that up. <laughs> Should we restart? Nah. Why <laughs> ever change a habit of a lifetime? Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I love the fact that we've got uh, a, another professional podcaster guest in today, and we've started it by you saying good evening. Should we stop and restart? Now, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm. Uh, I'm I was up and at them early this morning, mm. and uh, I was working last night. And I've, I've got a level with you, Chris. Uh, I must be getting old, right? Because I had that thing where now when people go like. Oh, oh, I was I was cold to the bones. Mm-hmm. The bones of me were cold. Me bones were cold last night, oh, Chris. Mate. I'm a cold bone person. Didn't we have this chat the other day? So you know, it's all right, man. You're in good company. Yeah, but you I didn't mean, need to tell that... me you're getting old. Like people, right. people who watch our podcast have, have witnessed that over four years. You literally, yeah, yeah, doing just also <laughs> people that uh, have listened to this podcast over the years that have have, have enjoyed. Uh, hearing you talk fucking nonsense. Uh, uh, you, you can help if you're a Patreon. You can you can um, you get to hear more of it. But uh, a little soundbite from our Patreon live show the other night. Chris come up with a word. Yeah, no, it's just kind of quite unrememberable. <laughs> what the fuck? I'd, was I'd love that? to. Fit, I'd, I'd, if that was even remotely close to probably the dumbest thing I said uh, the other night. So thank you for only quoting that one. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Petros, how you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. You talking about uh, being cold to the bone? I recently started a new job, and like, you know, when you start a new job, and everyone there is not the kind of person you are. Like, so you have to kind of lie <laughs> yeah, about what yeah. you're what you're into. I remember I went to see a uh, quite fittingly, I went to see a Nicholas Cage all nighter. <laughs> Uh, at the Prince Charles Cinema, and they like staff were like, "Oh, what, what are you up to this weekend?" I just had to be like, "I'm doing nothing," because they just won't understand. Like they'll be like, "Who's this freak we've employed?" And uh, but I find myself because it is cold. That is all we talk about. We're kind of like, "Oh, it's it's cold this morning." Like that's kind of like the the whole rhetoric of our conversations. It's all oh, it's yeah, it's cold to the bone this morning. Oh, 
I had 600 people walk in the front doors of the club last night. Every single one of them went, it's cold. Oh, that's boring. <laughs> what a boring. Oh, and, and also, you know, because you've been standing out there three hours. Yeah, I couldn't respond. My face had froze, but I was like, <laughs> fuck me. This is like Grand Dog Day. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ain't it fresh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell, well, before we do anything, Petros, mm-hmm. I... Um, we met because uh, you uh, asked me to come on your podcast. So before we do anything, tell uh, the listeners of Hardcore Listing about your podcast. So Caged In is a Nicolas Cage retrospective podcast that started off as a, uh, I was a Nicolas Cage agnostic. So <laughs> kind of had no strong feelings on him. Either way, kind of, it was around mm. the time that he was like height internet meme. So it was that thing <laughs> of, he seems fascinating and like, for the idea of a podcast, like he's got close to a hundred films, so I'll be doing it a long mm. while. Uh, and uh, and over time, I've probably become like a devotee to Cage's work, and I will kind of I will defend films that have no right being defended. There's like kind of uh, paycheck well, even, moving, even ones with like zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You're going to be defending Deadfall today. Um, well, <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> hey, listen, I've I, 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 I played Devil's Advocate here. Same, same, same. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I recently revisited Deadpool on the podcast, and Nicolas Cage is definitely the best thing about that film. <laughs> it feels like he's from a totally different film altogether. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's more the kind of straight to VOD kind of actioners that could easily be like replaced by Bruce Willis or Ethan <laughs> Hawke or yeah. any John Cusack, any number of those guys. So I feel like stolen and. <laughs> everyone's like I, I i kind of bigged it up on the podcast and i've had friends of mine going i checked out that film on your recommendation and it's shit <laughs> i can't like, get that time back now petros so so i guess that like kind the podcast is kind of redundant in, in one way of getting like recommendations for films <laughs> because i'm i've like drunk the nicholas cage kool-aid kool-aid yeah. and i'm kind i will be there going oh this is fantastic and other people are like i don't know quite what you saw in it and i'm just like it's just that i've got these nicholas cage blinkers on i'm very much like i am i'm you're fully caged in at this point yeah you're a man of culture and i, I just think <laughs> that like yeah when you get when his performances do become a bit like that for example this morning at the breakfast table i was just having a little recap of um deadfall and my girlfriend was sitting opposite me going that sounds like the most stressful <laughs> film. And so it's for, for her and him going absolutely batshit mental. She was like, I just don't, I've never seen a Nick Cage film. I said, of course she have. And then she was like, tell me one film of his where I'd be remotely interested in it. And I, I, I mustered a few old school ones, but she hadn't seen them. Mm-hmm. Because all the others, she's like, well, why Why would I watch Face Off, Chris? You know what I like. And you know, that's literally the opposite <laughs> of what I like. I'm like, fair enough. Connor, No, okay. He, so, he, yeah. he's a man of many moods though oh, like, yeah. i think like w- what i find fascinating is the year 1987 is kind of like this weird nexus point of <laughs> what we would get of nicholas cage's career like going on because you have he filmed these three films raising arizona oh what film vampires kiss <laughs> and moonstruck <laughs> so you've got like yeah all all facets of what he can do he can kind yeah. of do he can he can hold together a film with like some of the biggest directors ever with the Coen brothers. He can do batshit crazy with Vampire's Kiss. And he can be sexy and romantic in uh, Moonstruck. So, like, he, he's he got it all. He's a, he's, a, he's a weird guy. But, the yeah, the uh, 
saying earlier that uh, I started off the podcast like thinking, oh, I'll carry on for ages because I'll have all these Nicolas Cage films. I actually did run out of Nicolas Cage films. So now look at all of the films that his family, the Coppolas, have put out. So I think I checked the other day, I'll be podcasting for at least another three years just looking <laughs> at that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you've got some you've got some new material. Or just go back all over the films again. Just do it. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I I I have been doing that because I I guess like many podcasters, you listen back to your early episodes and going through a filmography chronologically. When I like covered stuff like Con Air, Face Off, I was very much like wet behind the ears and didn't mm-hmm. know what I was doing. So now it's kind of like I would love to. R- cover those films again <laughs> with guests and like actually know what i'm talking about instead of just like sounding like like muffled in in a room me not know knowing what i'm doing podcast wise me not kind of i don't know having life experiences that i've had since and stuff like that and yeah just being better at doing the whole thing as a whole yeah, I mean, you we basically just described the last sort of couple of months of our call listing there. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that's what we were like, but uh, I mean, yeah. Quite well, true. I imagine uh, the man will feature in today's top five. What is Whoa. your top five? Oh yeah, today? go on. Let's do that. Let's do that. So i i toy I toyed with I toyed with a couple. I think the first one I kind of thought about was just top five Nick Cage films, but then I thought that was quite root one and kind of like you could, and like some of my favorites my kind of top five don't really show what makes him so fascinating mm. as an actor because like it would be stuff like adaptation and kind of like the more like worthy films mm. and like maybe pig that came out last year and it it is a different facet of Nicolas right. cage that is like really fascinating him doing these like more serious character studies on people or playing like I don't know, weirdness in adaptation, playing two characters and stuff mm. like that. But yeah, I've gone for top five Nicolas Cage freakouts. So the times he kind of goes batshit crazy in movies, <laughs> kind of performances where you kind of, at the end of it, go, what did I just watch? Like, how did he get away with that? Was that the first take? Was that was that the fifth take? Or did they just go, do whatever the fuck you want? It's, it's incredible. He's in freakouts. He's so in tune with, like, if he turns the tap on for his freakouts, he can turn it all the way on full, and whatever comes out, he's not. There's no filter. Mm-hmm. It just happens. And yes. then sometimes directors go, "No, nah, fuck it. I'm going to leave that in." And and you would think sometimes I watch it and go, "That's so insane. Why could, could you not? Could, was it maybe a bit too mad?" Was it a little bit? Was it a little bit too wacky? Um, and then directors go, "No, it's uh, yeah, it's great." And uh, I don't know. You do get that. You, you say you drink the Nicholas Cage Kool Aid, and and then you kind of you're savouring it. You're like, "Oh yeah, go mental, Nick. <laughs> I just want to see you." So this freak out thing is amazing. And me and Stu, there's there's one that isn't on a film that me and Stu absolutely worship and adore. Um, and I, I'm sure at some point that will get a mention one way or another. Um, uh- yeah, but um, a great top five. Looking forward to hearing what your picks are. You, you're Just... saying about the tap-like analogy. I mm. had an amazing like guest, Daniel Noah, who's mm. a producer for Spectavision Films, so has worked with Nicolas Cage twice wow. on Mandy and Colour Out of Space. Oh, incredible. Incre- oh, he wow. had this fantastic analogy of, like, Nick Cage is kind of as good as the directors he works with because <laughs> he's like a 
he's like a garden hose that obviously if you if you don't hold it will just kind of yeah. flail around your garden <laughs> yeah. just going everywhere but if you're like a director who can hold that hose and kind of tame yeah. it you can water your plants and have like yeah. beautiful flowers and i think like we're gonna get a bit bit of both in my top five i think yeah. of kind of directors of don't know how to hold that hose and have really fucked up their garden and it's a boggy mess <laughs> and those who have got beautiful roses and what i call on the podcast earned freak outs within the film like yeah. freak outs that uh you go well if i was in that situation yeah, yeah. i would probably react yeah. that way so he's, he's nailed it absolutely and, and and i think he had like recently they have found quite a sweet spot with him i mean like for example um both those films you just mentioned are absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> and I thought he was, when they cast him in Colour Out of Space, I was like, yeah, I can see how that could that could really work. Um, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. And there are some very beautiful <clears throat> bright coloured flowers in Colour Out of Space as well. And I love H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft. So as soon as they said they were doing that, I was like, yes. And I'd seen Mandy and I'd seen how he directed that, which was, I watched that uh, around my cousin's and um, she'd bought a amp, one of those Philips Ambilight TVs where the lighting goes on the back of the wall. And like Mandy's such a trippy, trippy film. And if you've ever done LSD, it's, it makes you feel like you're just having a flashback. <laughs> it's just exactly like coming up off LSD, like in some instances. And uh, and so when I found out he was going to do A Colour Out of Space, I was like over the moon. But I love that. I love that hosepipe analogy. That's really yeah, so true. <laughs> Okay, well, look, before we do um, your number five, let's get a quick word from our sponsors. Bangboomcreative.com. That's where you need to go for the very best in film and photography work. Yes, yes. Luke and his team over at Bang Boom have been proud sponsors of ours for a few years now, and we can tell you two things about them. One, their stuff is bloody excellent. They've produced content for the smallest charities to the biggest commercial brands, and it's always bang on. Yeah, it works. We've seen Luke deliver an epic cinema advert for Pip, amazing photo shoots for the Two Girls One Shot podcast, made the girls look incredible, and of course he's done loads of great stuff for us, great visuals, loads on Instagram. The one he did of me as an Ewok was proper good and secondly well they're just bloody nice people uh lovely to work with lots of companies can kind of take pictures and film something but not everyone can do it with the sort of passion and and just ruddy kindness that sets luke and bang boom apart from all the others so if you need some great visuals from a truly excellent company please go check out bangboomcreative.com proud sponsors of the hardcore listening podcast the world can seem like a strange and sometimes dangerous place, but with Summer Academy helping you with your martial arts training, you'll always feel safe. Dangerous loners are everywhere and usually come across as friendly members of your community. They can be simply doing DIY during the day and podcasting at night. The dangerous loner. They could also be running a well-known nightclub at the same time. Their cloven hoof is scraping behind you. Wrenchy's Simon James has been training karate for over 32 years and teaching for 28. He knows through first-hand experience that martial arts can give you the stress release you've been looking for, as well as teaching life lessons and fitness, and of course, more importantly, peace. At Sama, we teach karate, kickboxing, tai chi, and MMA to all ages, from children as young as four-year-olds to the very elderly, even Shu. Rude. Uh, they can cater for all your needs, from just general fitness uh, or a new hobby right the way through to a career in teaching martial arts. They run corporate training days for companies to have as team building exercises as well as local self-defence classes. 
They even teach a parent and baby self-defence course. That's defence whilst carrying your child, not defence against maniac murder babies. There is absolutely no defence against them. Be aware of that. Chris, where can people find out more about the Summer Academy? Yes, you can find out everything you need over at sama-academy.co.uk. That's S-A-M-A-academy.co.uk. And maybe you'll become a black belt just like me. Uh, hello, this is uh, Chiles, um, Chaz from Love Beer. Uh, and, and I'm here to tell you about why I sponsor uh, Hardcore Listening and what, what love-beer.co.uk does. Uh, I am a fully certified by the British Beer and Pubs Association for bar installation with a focus on home and office bars. I have loads of home bar clients who have really enjoyed the service during lockdown as well as corporate office clients like Facebook and HelloFresh. I offer a complete solution from installing the bar equipment right the way through to keg supply. I also offer regular maintenance packages for those who want a bar without all the hassle. Hello, this is Charles also from Love Beer. I just want to also let you know I'm fully licensed to sell kegs. We can supply loads of different products from mainstream beers and ciders right through to trendy craft beers and even Prosecco kegs, all delivered to your bar by a certified technician. Also, why I'm here... Have I mentioned the Land Rover Beeries 3, which is a 45-year-old XMOD Land Rover Series 3 that we have done a complete restoration on during lockdown? The 3 Beeries 3 is a custom-built, high-performance bar hidden in the back of a Land Rover. The bar we have installed is capable of doing upwards of 500 pints per hour. We're about four to five weeks off having it all back together and ready to show it off. And I'll be launching an Instagram for it this week. Nice one, Charles. Nice one. There we go. Thank you very much, our lovely sponsors. Petros, number five, brother. Number five for me. And it, it Pat, uh, Chris teed me up perfectly. It is Mandy. It ah. is a film that kind of... Uh, I had a, an amazing experience of watching Mandy recently. Um, as mentioned before, I went to a Nicolas Cage all-nighter and Mandy was the final film of Oof, this. Wow. So it was <laughs> The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. Um, Amazing. I'm trying to think what the other one was. Oh, Drive Angry and then Mandy <laughs> at like seven o'clock in the morning. So like to, to further your analogy of like feet, well, your thing of like feeling like you're on LSD, kind mm. of staying up all night, having yeah. stayed up all day the you day before. That. There were moments in that film where it felt like like the room was closing in on me, and like I spoke to other people like as we came out, and it was it was a weird experience going to an all nighter. Like it felt like that feeling you get after partying too hard, and you've like been in a uh, like a hat like some dingy flat, yeah. and then you never want to speak to any of those people ever again. You're like, fuck <laughs> yeah. off. I don't, don't, I don't want to know you. You're kind of like, I've just felt dirty. I hadn't, yeah, re- I, yeah, I, I, I hadn't drunk, I hadn't yeah, taken yeah, drugs, yeah, but I just yeah, kind of like yeah. got on the train from yeah. London, just yeah, like, yeah. oh, don't look at me. I'm, a, I'm an absolute <laughs> disgrace of a human being. <laughs> I, I used to do that and people would go into work and I'd be like, oh, yeah. God, I feel like an absolute creature. But it, it, yeah, it is that when you've been somewhere too long, you're like, this party died about five hours ago, didn't it? I'm like the ghost of this party. What am I still yeah. doing here? 
Yeah, yeah, but I definitely got that. We, me and Pip saw um, Colour Out of Skate, uh, Space. It was premiered, uh, well, the UK one was in um, Prince Charles. And we saw it there, and that was the perfect place for that. It was it was yeah. good. So I'd like to, yeah. I'd love to yeah, see so Mandy at the end of an all-nighter. That would be great, yeah. yeah it, well. So, so yeah, with, with Mandy, what, what's interesting about him when it comes to freakouts is I guess like now it's kind of gone into legend, the freakout mm. I'm talking about, is a moment in... Um, a bar, like in, in a toilet after he's yeah in the bathroom <laughs> after he's just witnessed his spoilers yeah we're gonna have to do spoilers yeah, in this yeah, right yeah, uh, yeah, yeah just yeah. after he has witnessed the love of his life being burnt alive yeah uh, by a kind of group of cultists yeah. like who have called upon these cenobite style uh, hellraiser demons to kind of kidnap her. And he watches this like bizarre commercial for cheddar goblin uh, macaroni cheese. And then he just kind of, he's had enough and goes in, pulls out a bottle of vodka that he stashes uh, underneath the, 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 like the, the cabinet in his, in his bathroom and just lets out like a fucking bellow of just anger. And I don't know, it's, it's an explosion. And th- that for me is like, I think it's one of the best earned freakouts. Cause yeah. I think like if, if you were, yeah, if anyone was put in that position, they would be like, "Fuck!" Like, and there's it, it, something iconic about him in those like grubby little pants and a kind of uh, he's got like a he's got like a yeah like a a a, a, a baseball tee on and he's just kind of like losing his fucking mind. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's really it is really good and yeah, it is earned. It's um yeah, it's hard. It's a really like painful scene like watching what mm-hmm. happens to his his his, his missus. Um, and there's a slow build-up to that as well, like her defiance of this cult beforehand as well. And so it's kind of like he's just got this growing, l- lingering unease throughout the movie. And yeah, that's like the uh, sort of the pinnacle of him sort of like having his Michael Douglas moment in falling down. Mind you, his 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 collapse was quite a silent one to start with, wasn't it? Whereas yes. Cage's one was like, uh, yeah, it's just... This is what my brain looks like. <laughs> Yeah, um, right well, there, now, there, but in visual format, there are fantastic moments in the film. Like, I think there's a moment he has a fight with one of the Cenobite things, yeah. and uh, he tears like he tears his shirt, and Nicholas Cage's like response, he just goes, "You tore my shirt," <laughs> and like everything is just ramped up to the everything beyond like the forty-five minute mark, and it's a kind of weird film because I think a lot of people expected it to be like this eighty-minute like schlocky B movie, but mm. it's like two-hour meditation on kind of grief mm. and loss. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's, it's, it's kind of got this, like, really affecting score by the late, great Johan Johansson. And I tell you, it's got... it, it Like, the, I think the best way to describe it is, like, like those old metal album covers come to life, you know, like those kind of fantasy oh, absolutely epic, like Or, like, those old fantasy books, like, come to life and... uh yeah, you just get like these freakouts throughout the whole film of him just kind of screaming at, and even at the end when he like he crushes Ken Barlow's son's head in his hands and just kind of <laughs> pops his eyes out and says like, "I'm your god now," and it's like fucking hell, like there's like it is literally like you get that freakout when he like goes nuts in the bathroom and every every interaction from then on out is just like fuck, fuck, fuck. He's just going mad, more mad and more mad, and it's. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. It's quite cathartic, isn't it, watching him do that? Yeah. Absolutely. Not that I've had my wife burnt alive in a bag yet. I haven't set that, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't set that up yet, Molly. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, great choice, man. Great job. Have you seen Mandy shoot? I haven't, no. Yeah. I've got it. My, I had it in my driver, driver, um, driver side glove box for about a year because Aaron bought it for me. He went, this is right up your strata. <laughs> and then it stayed in there. Then I just watched it with my cousin and I still had the DVD in the glove box. So, yeah, I had it in there ages. But, yeah, it's, it's good. But it's very, like, it's trippy. Like, I think any any movie when it's direct visually... I mean, it, it, there's bits of that. It makes me feel sometimes uncomfortable watching it. It's a bit like Gaspar Noe sort of movie, you know, when mm-hmm. you see like, um, what was it? Enter, he's not Enter, yeah, Enter the Void. Whoa, wow. I mean, mm-hmm. aud- the audio and the visuals in that just combine, make you feel a little bit, sometimes yeah. a little bit discombobulated, a bit nauseous, but really, really cleverly done. Well, so yeah, with, great shout, great shout. With, with that scene that I was talking about in the bathroom, uh, yeah, from speaking to people who kind of worked on the film, I've like interviewed the editor as well. He said like there was only two takes of that scene because said like that's all Cage really had in him, like because they were obviously asking a lot of him. And when you watch the actual film, they've obviously set up like a dolly track to for the camera to mm. run in, where they like kind of um, pan into him. And there's a moment where obviously in his rage, he's pulled out a towel off the kind of rack, and it's gone on the dolly track. And there's a moment where the camera kind of goes in, gets caught, and then pulls back slightly, and then oh, has really? to go back in. And they had to, they left it in the film because they yeah. said the the take is too good to not use that to to not use it, even though yeah. they're like technically there's a fuck up in what was going on. It's kind of like we can't ask him to do that again. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like it was perfect the way it is, and I kind of I love that about that because it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I imagine people look at films and they think that they are very like surface level and it's just people playing dress up. But I imagine to channel anger like that Mm. takes a lot out of you. So like that, I guess everyone involved kind of knew, like we can't ask him to go to this like dark place again. Do you know what I mean? Like two's probably enough. And on his voice as even, even practically like, on his voice and stuff like that, it's probably a lot to ask of it. Yeah, you rip rip through your voice box, but also films. Are, I mean, humans are based on feelings, right? We're, we're emotional creatures, and I guess that really would take precedence over the technical aspect of it. Like all my mates, are, all my mates who are cameramen, they say they they can't help but analyse things, and sometimes they'll start doing it. And I have a wider understanding of it now, but like for for most of the public watching that it's the performance that they're going to like for example i can't tell you when that fuck up happened i've only seen the <laughs> film once um i can't tell you i noticed that at all because when you've yeah, got yeah. him having a meltdown it kind of like most you, you could just think it was almost intentional for one reason or another like yeah, yeah. if you're not looking if you're not looking out for it you'd just be like oh, okay that that's a thing because you're more absorbed in what what he's doing but yeah um if you capture it, like when we've recorded podcasts in the in, in the past, Petros, there's been instances where, for one reason or another, we we have restarted. Normally, because Stu will go on some sort of like racist tirade or something. You'll be like that, <laughs> won't you? Or you'll be homophobic or something like that, Stu. It's, it's, and, um, it's one of them two. One, usually, one of them two. And um, and we'll have to restart. But it might have actually been really funny. Yeah. And yeah. but the the truth is, um, obviously no racist, homophobic stuff. Just we'll start, and it'll be really funny. But for one reason, maybe the audio's gone wrong, and you restart, and you'll never like. We have tried to sort of like reset, like when we really first started, and you'd be like, okay, we're going to go over it in this way again. It never works. It no. never. You can't because you can't get the um, the actual. Don't la- say magic. The laugh, the <laughs> laugh, the laughter that isn't natural, and the conversation doesn't flow as well. 
and the reactions from each other isn't the same because you kind of know what the other person's going to say. Yeah. So I guess it. That, I mean, that must be doubly so for like a, 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 an actual good performance. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of a, yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting. Okay. Number four. Number four is the Brian Taylor directed Mum and Dad, which is Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair playing parents. I who, haven't seen that. Who uh, they're they're just all of a sudden there is a switch goes off and every parent has an innate feeling within them that they want to kill their children and it just gives cage license incredible to go fucking crazy and there's not i guess if i picked out like a specific scene in this film is nicholas cage uh destroying a <laughs> a pool table while singing the hokey cokey <laughs> <laughs> yep we've all done it but <laughs> Do you reckon they just gave him that scene and said, do you want to be in a film? He's like, oh, just why? And they went, read that. And he was like, yeah, okay, fine. Don't need well, to hear he, the rest of it. He, like the director is one of the guys who directed the Crank films with Jason Statham and oh, also did right. uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, so the like yeah. second Ghost Rider film with Nick Cage. And I think the director was just like, I've got this idea. There's one person for it. And it is Nick Cage. Cause like, yeah, he and I think a lot of that as well is he 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 said he said to me like the director when I spoke to him he like uh and I don't I don't mean for this to be like oh I spoke to this isn't all going to be I spoke to this person I spoke <laughs> to that person it's just luckily I've been able yeah. to like chat to Brian Taylor is um he yeah he said to me like you get you do a take that is my take as the director and then the second yeah. take is always Nick do what do do what Nick does, and then like he said, nine times out of ten, it was Nick take they went for because like he'd kind of go. Amazing. He knew the script so well, yeah, that he could kind of get the feeling across without actually like, uh, yeah, without without actually using the words. Uh, yeah, there's moments there's like so their children lock themselves in the basement at one point, and <laughs> Nick Cage delivers this kind of tirade at them. He says. Your motherfucking mother said, open the door. And motherfuckers, you're going to open the motherfucking door. <laughs> That's the kind of energy we're playing with in this film. And, and it gives him license to kind of like, as a kind of like, yeah, he's like a straight-laced parent who this, and it's, I guess the film is like an analogy for that, that generational divide you have yeah. with your children. And it just gives him license, to, again, to say stuff like, uh, now, yeah, now the world you kids living in, there's things I've seen on the internet, mouth-to-mouth -mouth dildo, dildo to arse, arse to arse. <laughs> Hi, Brent, anal beads. So you got Cage just screaming <laughs> anal beads in a movie. And I think that's like a, that's a guy who, I don't know, uh, understands that he's got this uh, energy within him to be able to freak out. And this film gives him license to kind of go to these, like, the nth degree of yeah. what he can do. Yeah. In Let go kind of the space. hose and just say, film this, see where he yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, amazing. I haven't seen it. I've, all I've seen is a billboard for it and thought, uh, well, the, the poster and thought, I wonder what that's about. But I just, I didn't bother <laughs> watching it. And I like Selma Blair as well. So I'm sure it's, she can put, put 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 in quite a psychotic performance as well for that. Um, yes. Yeah, amazing. I'll definitely check that out. Uh, you mentioned Crank there and Crank 2. It's got my fav one of my favourite slug lines of a movie crank. So I don't know if you've seen these, Stu, but they're just fun 
put your leave your brain in a bucket before you go into the cinema and just watch just some absolutely audacious action. And is that uh, the one where he's got like if he his heart rate drops? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not watching. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's it's speed with a man basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? And at the end of the first one, spoiler alert, everyone, but he falls out of a plane. <laughs> right, and he hits, <laughs> he, you know, he falls out of a plane and just hits a car. I'm sure that's how it ends. And uh, then I saw they were doing Crank 2, and I was like, literally, I saw the post for it. I was like, what the fuck? And then the slug line was, he's dead. He just got better. <laughs> so that, is, that is exactly the slug line that you needed for that movie. Someone should have been given a knighthood for that. There but, is an amazing uh, moment in one of the cranks. I can't remember which one it is, where Jason Statham asks, have I got cunt written on my head? <laughs> and then they actually, like on screen, it actually just comes up with cunt written across his head. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> glorious. Glorious. Okay, number three, please, Petros. Number three, I, I imagine um, I, you might have seen this one, is uh, The Wicker Man, the oh, remake God. of the, yeah, have we. the 1970s classic. And I guess it's it's got to be like the last quarter of that film. It's kind of interchangeable. He kind of yeah. just, it's one continuous freak out yeah. when he's kind of being led, basically, to the, to the trap to be put in The Wicker Man. It's just... Yeah, it starts with him dressed as a bear, punching a woman in the face, and then just progresses <laughs> yeah. from there, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible, mate. What a great How shout. How can you progress from that moment? <laughs> uh, well, well Nicholas, there's always... I think the good thing about Nicolas Cage is there's always... He can always break the ceiling. No yeah. limits. Yeah. <laughs> he can always break the ceiling. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's it's an hour of him being gaslit by this community. <laughs> him going, there's something weird going on here, and them going, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think like the moment he gets to the island, there is like clearly a body in a bag, and like all, all of the locals are going, oh, I bet you want to see what's in the bag, don't you? And he's like, oh, there's something something weird going on, and it's. In the final act, it's got one of those things. The whole film, his phone has no reception. Like, <laughs> in the final act, when it's kind of like crunch point, all of a sudden he gets a phone call, like a, a phone call on the island. You're like, hey, what's going on here? Like, what, what's oh, I've this got about? One, I've got one bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When he put, when he's in that bear outfit, I mean that's just that's been watched a lot on YouTube by me. Just because um, I think I think my mate had said I hadn't seen it then. Even you seen that movie where uh, Nicholas Bear's uh, Cage is dressed as bear punches that woman, and I went like no, and they were like the Wicker Man remake. I was like I haven't watched it yet, and then we we sat down. It was uh, it was sort of like fans of the sort these sort of genres that I have, and we sat down and watched it, and it just goes from one extreme to another. But it's absolutely comedy when he lamps that woman. But kind of like he's, he he does he's just getting so frustrated by the whole situation. He's got to the point where he's like, the the only way out of this is to punch this woman full force in the face. Really, that's how frustrated he is. Well, you get these weird moments throughout the film. Like there's a bit where there's like a dolly that he finds that has been burned because he's oh, obviously yeah. looking for this little girl. And he's yeah. just his delivery when he's going to like the an ex partner of his who kind of like he's he's convinced that the child's his and he's just there going. How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? And it's just like he just manages to I don't know tap into this like weird delivery and stuff like that. And it's it's a bizarre film in the, the fact that at the end of it, it's got a it's got a credit that just says for Johnny Ramone because <laughs> Nicholas Cage watched the original with Johnny Ramone. He said like it was one of his favorite films, and when he was approached to make the remake is like Johnny loved that movie. I'm gonna be in it. <laughs> Amazing. Fuck. Did not know hell. that. And he made it his own, didn't he? Because Edward Woodward had very few free cats uh, in, uh, in in the original. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he never uh, punched a woman in the face <laughs> for sure. Woodward never done that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess, I guess we probably need to talk about like the the most iconic uh, kind of freak out moment in that film is when. Because obviously, yeah, it's set up early on in the film that he's allergic to bees, and then they kind of <laughs> yeah, put yeah. like a, a like look cage. look at the camera and go write that down. Yeah. <laughs> they put a cage on his head and just fill it up with bees, and obviously you get Nick Cage going, "Not the bees, the bees, not the bees," or. What is it? He, I lo- I always love the delivery where he says, "You bitches, <laughs> killing me will bring back your honey." He just like really gets to ramp it up, and it's just yeah, from that moment, and it's a weird one. Obviously, knowing, having not even seen the original Wicker Man, yeah. I knew the premise. Like it kind mm. of is one of those. Mm. Have you gone back and watched it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, that's what I mean. But even, like even as a kid, I knew what happened in the Wicker mm. Man without like. So, yeah. so I'd seen the original first, but like, it is that thing that you just kind of know the story. Mm. It almost feels like a kind of, I don't know, fable at this yeah, point yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Or kind of like one of those, what just, yeah, yeah, one of those stories of like, be aware of strange <laughs> islands. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's why I've never been to the Isle of Wight. I'm just kind of, I don't know, a bit. It's uh, exactly uh, like that. It, that, that. That is what created my fear of Morris dancers. <laughs> like, fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I can't be around a Morris dancer. They. Fucking men shouldn't have little bells, uh, and, and shouldn't be doing. <laughs> you like men weird... with big bells, didn't you? Stu? You were saying that to uh, me in the uh, sauna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just fucking strange, and I and I literally 
any any kind of pagan shit weirds me out. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, and and that stems from seeing Wicker Man when I was a kid, and uh, and yeah, but uh, yeah, I, you I, have to you have to suffer the pagan shit to marvel at the beauty of Brit Eklund, though. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Even though she had uh, a, a stunt ass, yeah, was it uh, Rod Stewart? She was going out with at the time, or someone? It was, yeah, yeah. who said like, "I ain't having her bum on film. I have someone else, please." <laughs> <laughs> it's my ass, Rod. If I want people to look at it. They can. Yeah, that's. Uh, but you've got other. You've got more recent um, ones like 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 Kill List was superb. Mm-hmm. That that worms inside you. Maskell um, and um, he's incredible. Yeah. Maskell, Michael, um, where's my brain gone? Smiley, Smiley, both fucking awesome in that. Really dark and just w- wonderfully brilliant. Dark humor, really black, funny, funny humor, but fucking terrifying as well. Yeah, oh well, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think what's, yeah. what's weird within the pagan thing within that film is the fact that it it starts off as this kind of like hitman thriller between the two of them mm. and then the kind of like it's the subtle seeding of mm. the pagan stuff and i think that's what is creepy about the whole like I, all those films that deal with paganism mm. like midsummer from the yeah, other yeah, year which I was is just like, thinking oh, that, yeah. everyone's wow, really nice do you know what i mean it is that thing of like you're kind of lured into this community and before you know it it's like the train is off the tracks and you're like oh i'm i'm hurtling towards my own demise or kind of like mm. I, i'm into i'm either gonna be a part of this cult not willingly or unwillingly or i'm gonna be sacrificed in a yeah fucking exactly ritual. absolutely I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna be open yeah there's some yeah midsummer i thought was really good um and it's also the, the terrifying thing about a cult is that they completely believe what they're doing is a-okay it's the right thing to do they're doing patreon.com forward slash hardcore listing <laughs> come join the uh the murder sex cult the msc um but yeah um it is that it is that sort of like they think they're doing like often like like some form of religious or god's work or that their, their cult leaders work and it's just like they completely think they're in the right they've just become demented that's the scariest thing when you're dealing with people like that are brainwashed to that level and uh, yeah, and and also the other thing is the signs are all, like they're subtle, but it does make you think. How close am I? Am I to a cult? Like do whatever. How close? How how closely have I brushed past the cult in my time and and not really known it? And probably never. But that's the great thing about these movies. Like any good horror, it makes you think. Is there a sign behind my painted on my wall behind my mirror or something like that? And I didn't kill yeah, this. Yeah. Like who's come in and done some weird shit? And what what was the recent Brad uh, Pitt film? Uh, about Charlie Manson. Oh, you mean Once Upon uh, a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, I mean that, that's some fucking dark shit mm. going on in that mm. cult. I mean, did you did you watch? Um, I can't. It, was he a Doctor Who? He, when he played Charlie, or did it, was it called Charlie? or Was he called Manson? And uh, I think it was called Charlie. Uh, uh, no, I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it came out about six, seven years ago. It's uh, I can't remember the actor's name. The, 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 the young, pretty lad that played Doctor Who. Played Charles Manson, really fucking good as well. He was. Oh, is it mm. Matt Smith? Yes, yes. Mm. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I, I think maybe a little overshadowed by Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, which uh, 
I thought was remarkable. That, that had a wonderfully cathartic ending with Pitt. Uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Almost too cathartic. Like, when, when does the good guy become the bad guy? No, it's, it, was, it, was, it was incredible. But yeah, going back to um, Wicket, the remake of Wicker Man, that bees scene is just, Petros, is just like, it's so funny because what he's saying is like, if I was going to act, I don't think I'd need to, to be so obviously describing what's happening to me while it's happening. <laughs> and, like, and it, but that's why it's just, it's just like so memorable. It's like, the bees, the bees, not the bees. I'm sure he says things like, no, no, my mouth, or something like that. I, I don't know, but it, it was just—it yeah, just goes. What and what is so funny about that moment as well? Because obviously he'd been wearing the bear costume throughout like, up until that point. <laughs> yeah. It's they've stripped him off and kind of beaten him and kind of like—I think they hobble him as well. So like you oh, get, yeah. yeah, they break his legs so he can't escape even if he wanted to. But he is wearing like just black trousers, a white t-shirt, and he's still got the bare feet on. So he kind of just looks like a a dad chilling out on a Sunday in their bare slippers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Kind of like, oh, I'm gonna go put my feet up, read the paper, watch a bit, watch a bit of TV. And yeah, it, it always sticks out to me as somebody who's watched that film probably too many times. But that that's kind of how he gets killed is in these bare slippers. <laughs> Lovely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's the number, shape of it. Where are we at? Number two. Yeah, number two. Number two. Number two is um, <laughs> a film that I have, I, I didn't like at first. Like, I laughed at it and have grown to love. And is Vampire's Kiss. Oh. I'm not sure if you've seen this one. It's yeah. an absolute peach of a film. It is. Uh, it's very, very um, meme internet meme isn't it, as well? Because of his facial expressions in it. Just uh, Yeah, the way I describe <laughs> it to people is... It's like American Psycho about the 80s in the 80s. It's like Nicolas Cage plays this uh, publisher who is just like one night he meets uh, Jessica Bills and has like a, a romantic encounter with her and a bat comes in through the window and thinks that he's actually been bitten by the bat and is turning into a vampire. <laughs> so it's like the whole film is a descent into madness. 
of this man who thinks he is yeah turning into a vampire and it is just again it's a film that once once the train starts going on the freakouts it is just non-stop until the bitter end of the film i just just oh, i don't know like i just when he's sat in that office and he's 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 uh, just making that uh, employee's life misery yeah i just I just think I bet he couldn't wait to do that because he's he's got his glasses on and you can tell like he's like he's, he's winding up to have a bit of an absolute fucking meltdown, and I just can see Nicolas Cage like savouring the fact he's about to go on one while he's asking yes. her really like pedestrian questions about doing like some filing, and you well, just yeah, think that, here here it comes. That <laughs> is what's funny about this film is like kind of like I wouldn't even say it's the B plot the A plot of it is him as Chris has said terrorizing his secretary about a missing file and he's just constantly going alva here you are where's that file or like just kind of like it's just in the back of a taxi with her at one point he's like that file has got to be somewhere in the goddamn building and he's just like throughout it he's just kind of and it's intercut with the scenes where he's at his therapist's office and he's like telling her about it mm. and it's it, again this is something that is memed to death is he's telling her how filing works. So he goes, <laughs> it's your A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. That's all you have to do. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like, yeah, and just goes goes off on these kind of mad tirades about like her looking for this file. And, he's, and there's bits at the end as well, which... I love the fact that um, when he is, he's just walking around the streets of New York going like, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. And he's asking people, to, he's got this like plank of wood and asking them to stake him and kill him. Were filmed just guerrilla style. So the people wow. he's going up to and like the interactions he's having on the street are real people. And you kind of, if you watch the film again, like there are people, like, and I guess a lot of them in like 80s New York, they're probably used to seeing a lot of like, wild people who are strung mm. out on drugs and that just kind of like some people take it in their stride being like, like yeah it's thursday we're used to seeing <laughs> this kind of shit and there's other people like fuck like, i'm back i'm backing the hell up off this guy because he is he's some dangerous shit right now and it, yeah cage would have been a relative unknown at that point right like 19 mm. yeah 1987 he wasn't yeah he wasn't really the the, the name no, we he know seems him. go back so far i just I completely forget like he's been he's been at it a long time. He says he's done a lot of movies now as well. He's racked them up. He's um he he says yes a lot. And um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's mad. I didn't had no idea that um that he that that's how they filmed that that, that scene in Vampire's Kiss. Which uh, now you say it, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, it makes perfect sense actually. Um He has since gone back at, uh, to talk about this film and there is a moment where he's crying. And he literally, like, he's kind of uncontrollably, like, sobbing and goes, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. And he's just said, I wanted to see if I could get away with saying boo-hoo in a movie <laughs> as a character cries. <laughs> but that is so, like, knowing that. He's like, that's why he does it. Like, there's other scenes in other films where I don't know if we'll talk about them or I might bring them up later, where it's like, mate, you, 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 you were so just basically taking the piss at that point. <laughs> and, and like again the director went no I'm leaving it in and he's like really? 
gonna leave well, that yeah, in, but cool. Good for you. One of the things that's like a holy grail for me, I guess it's like I probably just need to buy a, a multi-region Blu-ray player, <laughs> but like the American the, the American like uh, Blu-ray of the Vampire's Kiss has a like a do- a, a, a commentary by Robert Bierman, the director, and Nicolas Cage that was like recorded like 1999 or something like that. Right. And I would just love to hear mm. him in yeah. retrospect kind of like explain what he was doing even if like even if it's total bullshit you know like <laughs> going back to the wicker man i think the director has since gone oh yeah no it's meant to be a comedy it's meant to be funny like the kind of yeah, that tommy wiseau thing yeah, don't like, post rationalize that, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly exactly and, and um i i tried I, I guess i've never really said this on a podcast just because I, I feel a bit ashamed but <laughs> i <laughs> I tried to interview the uh, writer of Vampire's Kiss. And I think it is that time of, like we were talking about earlier, like not knowing what you're doing on early episodes. And I guess I was being (laughs) slightly honest. Is like when I like talked to my guest about that film, we were both kind of going, what the fuck is this film? Like, I don't quite understand it. Reached out like maybe, yeah, last year at some point to the writer of the film. And just got an email reply being like, I listened to your episode on the film and I don't think I want to come on seeing as how like disparaging you were about the film. Oh, Oh, brutal. (laughs) Which like, I guess, I guess I made my bed. I have to lay it. But like, yeah, I I, I, I don't know. I I tried to rationalize it with him saying like, hey, opinions change and stuff like that. Like, Obviously, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I kind of thought like being mean about films was part of the fun. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of there is that thing of like kick sometimes until kicking. you want them to come and guest on your podcast. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like to be honest and like why not have a conversation about the things mm. that didn't work in a film and stuff yeah, like yeah, that? Absolutely. As, as well as like yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be one of these people who just kind of every interview I go. I absolutely love oh, the film. Yeah, like absolutely. dead behind the eyes, and yeah. then and then cover the film on the podcast be like i've fucking got one over on that guy it's actually a load of shit (laughs) (laughs) right top spot top spot uh yes so the top spot it was mentioned earlier in the podcast uh chris said he did some prep this morning sorry yeah so no it has got to be deadful because that is one steady absolute freak out which is absolute it's it's golden, right? You've seen it, Chris. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's um, it's weird because I have watched this because like, it's old as well, is it? When he, when is that? That's like that's eighties, isn't it? Is it eighty four? <laughs> am I going mental? It's nineteen ninety three. Ninety three, right? Yeah. So I, I I did watch it. I reckon about ninety five or something like that, and I I didn't even really I I, I forgot that it was Cage in that movie, it, it, and I shouldn't have done because I'm sure then. Because Face Off and that couldn't have been much after that, were they? Were they like 98, probably? 97, yeah, yeah. 97, yeah. So, but at that point, yeah, I just, I I think I really got into around Con Air and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I hadn't realised I'd already seen Deadfall. And then it was much later I realised it, it was him. And so when you said about freakouts, like I was like, have I missed any? And I was like, oh my God, that's him. That's Deadfall. And just was like, that, that. It's such a bananas performance. It it really is. It's yeah. Sorry, I, well, I'll let you talk about it, Petra. Well, it's a bananas film because like if you read out 
it's the cast list for this film. So it stars Michael Bean. Love him. Favourite. James Coburn, Charlie Sheen, Peter Fonda, Talia Shire. Uh, <laughs> who else is in there? Mickey Dolans from The Monkees is in there. <laughs> and you've got Angus Scrim from the Phantasm films. You look at it and go, this is going to be in, this is going to be interesting. And then it's directed as well by Nicolas Cage's brother, Chris Coppola. So then things start to make sense where it's, he's cashed in on the Coppola name mm-hmm. to get a lot of these people. And Nick Cage is just doing a massive favor to his brother. And uh, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a thing I love about the film that Nick was told, you can wear whatever you want to wear. So that 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 tells me that he was not given direction at all. Like that kind of hosepipe analogy. This is one where the hosepipe is kind of off the fucking charts in yeah. just going wild. It's a fireman's hosepipe, and it is not even a garden hosepipe. This one, it is like a fireman's hosepipe connected to the main water mains fire yeah. hydrant. And just him going fucking bananas, Stu. You can just what if you if you ain't got the time to watch the whole film, Stu. It's like me this morning, just re- like going through and just refreshing my memory. I watched some of the s- scenes in Deadfall, and you can just watch them on YouTube, and you'll just be like, "Wow, that's S- mental." So someone, yeah, someone's pa- made like a, a really handy supercut of just all his scenes oh, in the film. Right. And I think there is there, <laughs> there is a like extended moment in the film where it starts with Nick Cage in a strip club kind of uh, (laughs) he has like a confrontation with uh, this guy called Baby and finds out that he's kind of in the middle of a double cross but then just stands up and lets out like an almighty just goes (laughs) fuck (laughs) and then has like a tussle with a guy who's obviously pissed off with him punches him and goes, hi, fucking yeah. And like, it is just on that level the whole time. And it's like, it then like the scene trans, like, uh, yeah, the scene moves on to him being at like his, his apartment with his girlfriend. And there's like ad libs and stuff like that. Like you can tell he's trying to put his coat away and he just goes, the fucking hangers. He's like having a go at the hangers. He's, he jumps on a bed at one point, like because he thinks his girlfriend's sleeping with someone. He's just like kind of humping the bed. Going, the, the, the bed, the bed bit is <laughs> the bed bit for me is like peak cage. Just he's in some like transcendent state of acting at that point, where whatever's just the first thing that comes in his mind that just channels through him, and he just has this absolute like fit on the bed. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's in that moment as well in that scene where he kind of. He just goes wild because he thinks um, <laughs> he knows he's been double crossed. He's like, and his voice as well. He's kind of put this. He's affected his voice in a weird way. He's going like, "You think I'm a fucking retard, man?" <laughs> you know, he's, got, he's got this way, <laughs> and it like he ends it with like, "Well, viva fucking France." He just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he keeps saying Sam Peck. Like he keeps like just shouting the name Sam Peck in par as well which is absolutely bizarre. It's like, why are you mentioning the director of The Wild Bunch? Like, all the time, he's like, Sam fucking Peckinpah! And he's just doing this, like, absolutely batshit uh, voice. If if you don't want to watch the film as well, Stu, there is a track by the new metal band, Snot, that actually oh, really? does the whole plot of the film. And, like, they, like, kind of 
sing Got some of the like the famous out. quotes within the song. It's it's absolutely. Mate, I am checking that out straight. It's, yeah, it's this. absolutely fantastic. Um, what was I going to say? Like when when like you do, I've got to say, Petrus, you do a really good impression of Nick Cage when he's <laughs> having a fucking meltdown, mate. <laughs> you I'm a retard, man. You feel I'm a goddamn retard? It's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's mad. But it's also got one of the work. Like I think his death in that spoiler alert is worse than in Wicker Man. Like oh it, yeah, it, like it is. <laughs> I mean, like because again, I saw it again this morning, which I haven't seen that scene. But I would have been like, like as I say, I was roughly, what, 16 when I saw that? And I remember seeing it at 16 going, because I weren't a particular fan of horror films. I, I was until a bit later in life I really got into all that weirdness. And uh, and I saw that death scene. Basically, Stu, um, uh, they do to his face what the uh, what, what um, Scotland is famous for, for doing to Mars bars. And um, it's just so grim. It's so, what's- so grim. What's bizarre about that moment is throughout the whole film, so Nick Cage has got like a dodgy wig on. He's constantly wearing like uh, wayfarers. He's like, <laughs> and like, he's he's really weird. Like kind of the first time you meet him, he just kind of approaches Michael Bean and goes, pick a card, any card. And he's like, he picks, he like does this trick and he's like, ah, the Joker. It's a wild card. Like it's like he's a weird guy, but then throughout the whole film you're going, that's a that's a dodgy, dodgy syrup he's got on. <laughs> and then it's revealed in that moment before he gets his face put in a deep fat fryer that he was wearing a wig the whole t- the character was wearing a whole wig. It's not explained, and it gets even more bizarre as well. So the character Eddie King uh turns back up in a film called Southern Fury from 2017. I've seen that. And Nicolas Cage said, I will do the film if I get to play this character. So he resurrected a guy who had his face in a deep fat fryer to play him again. And it's it's nowhere near nice. Deadfall levels yeah. of fucking insane. But he's he's got the voice back, he's got the wig back, and this time he's got a prosthetic nose as well. So <laughs> I, I think for, for fans of Deadfall, like it's definitely like a curio that needs to be like sought out and watched. And it's uh I don't John Cusack's a funny one in that because he's like, he plays a cop who's always like in a baseball cap and it genuinely looks like he is just like, it's it's the, the epitome of I've turned up to get my paycheck and I'm getting the fuck out of it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I had him for a weekend and he's like, he hasn't even, he, he hasn't even taken his cap off as he's trying to avoid the paparazzi. He's like, We've got to run you through right, costume I don't want, see, I don't want no, anyone no, to see no, I'm on no, this, film. this film. Let's get this done just, and get me I'm out of it. show up on set like this. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Uh, Chris, you got any? Uh, yeah, Petros, we've lost you there. He's got a frozen screen share, have you noticed? Mm. Oh. Well, while we wait for Petros to uh, pop back. Oh, here we go. He's back, back. back in yeah. the room. Back in the room. Back in the room. Uh, Chris, you want to throw one in before we start to wrap? Yeah, uh, I mean, like, there's obviously the, the 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 one that we, me and you both love, Stu, that isn't um, from when he was on a film, but when he's in, and our listeners of this show will very much be familiar with uh, when Nicolas Cage went on Wogan. And uh, Petros, I'm sure you've seen, have you seen him when he comes on stage at Wogan? Of course, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I watch that regularly. It's one of my absolute, like, if I need to be pumped up for anything, I'm like, I need that. Nicholas Cage, Terry Wogan energy. It felt like that. That was, I presume, he was channeling a bit of Sailor Ripley there because he w- w- was. Was that the promo for Wild at Heart at the time? Yeah, because he gives Wogan 
his Wild at Heart t-shirt like off his back and there's that kind of awkward moment where he's trying to get the lapel mic and doesn't know what to do with it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I, better, I better clip it to my leather jacket then. <laughs> what a fucking dude. But th- like th- that, that kind of martial arts dancing before you even get to the, the throwing of the cash, like the, the kind of karate dancing sailor does that mm-hmm. in that incredible fucking scene when they go and watch like even Laura Dern go and watch that band in Wild at Heart. Yes. It's fucking I mean, that's a freak out in itself. He's uh-huh. dancing in that film, he's fucking glorious, man. And and in probably the second best cage performance, if uh, if I had to say. Like, yeah. I, I I think Sailor's a fucking great character. Uh, yeah, sorry, Chris. I jumped in on the Wogan thing there just to talk about Wild. No, no, no. Sorry, I don't man. think we have to say much about the. We've all seen it. All, all our listeners have seen it about hundred times. But just type in Nicholas Cage on Wogan. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a minute well spent today. That music is burnt in my head as well. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like I just have that kind of on a constant loop of it. I, I just love it. It's like kind of musicy, like l- l- lounge jazz, and you just got. Nicholas Cage not reading the room at all, doing a front flip and throwing out single single dollar bills at the audience, <laughs> like, probably not even reaching them as well, oh, like, just kind of like pathetically falling nowhere near the crowd. Like, <laughs> all the better gun. for it, all yeah. the better for it, man. Isn't it? Nothing <laughs> will be made better if that camera didn't just swerve to like thirty five like fucking pensioners that were just in there, just like. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. They all just sat in the audience. Like. Yeah. No, that's uh, that one. I'd also say um, his his gradual like his whole family's gradual demise in Color Out of Space is uh, was re- was really good because I, I think in that sort of setting where like the idea here is like uh, if you w- read any sort of H.P. Lovecraft or watch any H.P. Lovecraft fiction, the idea of like these intergalactic horror. Is that um, there's there's forces out there that just being around them will send you insane, mm. and so then anything that that is literally like an open checkbook for Cage to go. Really, we'll just film mm. you say a variety of different fucking mental things. Um, there, and there's we'll, a moment we'll, we'll, in we'll just let. There's, there's yeah, a moment on. in that where he like he's trying to grow tomatoes, and obviously like the weird like being has like warped them, and he's eating them, and he's just like throwing tomatoes in the bin going, they taste like shit. And like he 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 uses that same voice he has in Vampire's Kiss as well. That seems to be like his changed voice. And it's uh, he's like going on at his kids. There's an absolute belter of a moment where he takes a he takes a shotgun to these kind of alpacas that have melded into one kind of Lovecraftian mess that looks like like chewing gum come to life basically <laughs> with alpacas stuck in it and yeah it's a it's rightfully scary i've got oh, i've yeah. got to say that obviously it's directed by uh an absolute piece of shit uh richard stanley who kind of like uh yeah things have come out about oh him. really yeah we'll leave oh, a bad nice. taste in your and obviously we'll never get the we're supposed to do a trilogy of H.P. Lovecraft's stories. Was he going to do it at the Mountains of Madness and stuff like that? And that's probably all yes. going to be... Oh, and it's been canned because yeah. this guy's a piece of shit. Oh. Yeah, it was going to be... I'm trying to think what the other one was. Uh, it's not the Call to Cthulhu. It is the... Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think of the main ones that they were talking about. Mountains of Madness, Call of Cthulhu. Um, 
Oh, um, rats in the walls. No, I don't think they were ever thinking of doing that one. Yeah, I don't know. It'll probably. Oh, um. Oh shit! I know the one it is as well. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't tell you now. It'll pop. It'll yeah. come to me in a minute. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's literally on the tip of my tongue. I want to say the Witch of Eastwick, but it's definitely <laughs> not that. That's something that's entirely <laughs> different altogether. Oh, that's gonna do my head in. But yeah, no, I, it, he, that was epic. It's a, it's a, it's a shame that it's a shame for whatever it is. Regardless of movies not being made, which isn't important. If that guy's been a piece of shit to other people, that's the, that's the fucking mm. tragedy, obviously. Um, but oh right, I did, I didn't know that. Uh, but there's loads of others. I mean, he does loads of little mini freak out. Face off again was a good, good, yeah. good uh, opportunity for him to do yeah. that. I was going to mention face off, but like one of the key ones, I guess, is when his. When he wakes up and his face has been transplanted mm-hmm. and he's just going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. But if you watch that again, it's not Cage's voice. It's before they've changed the voices over. So they've overdubbed him with Travolta's voice. <laughs> so if you watch that scene, it's, Tra- it's Travolta's voice going, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck. But his just general demeanour in that film is freaky anyway. Mm. Like him saying like, I could eat a peach for hours. Do you know what I mean? It's enough to kind of like, I don't know, make, make you stay up at night, kind of scared that he's like, Caster Troy's going to like, I don't know, <laughs> cost you. Yeah. What a name. Stu, any more for you, mate? Um, I, I just, in, in regards to a, a, a demise into uh, 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 an alcoholic mess, uh, his greatest performance in my my humble is Ben Sanderson uh, in Leaving Las Vegas, yeah. and uh, and yeah, ju- just incredible, just seeing him kind of coming apart at the seams, and and yeah, ju- 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 fucking, uh, did he win anything for that, Petros? He yeah, he won he won uh, Best Actor at the Oscars that year. Yeah, uh, wow. One of one of two times he was nominated. I think he's nominated for adaptation Moon. as well, where he played like the dual roles, and I guess like as we're talking now, there's talk that he could get nominated again for the film Pig, which like is the furthest thing from freakouts you could ever see. And if if you haven't seen it, I'll definitely check it out. It's it's it, it, I don't know. I guess the the lazy way to describe it is John Wick meets Ratatouille, and kind of like messes around with <laughs> it kind of messes around with the idea of what people expect of Cage with that thing. They expect him to freak out. Whereas the moments he could freak out with people, because, yeah, the plot for that is basically a man's truffle pig is stolen. He's been living in the woods for 15 years. He used to be a revered chef. And he comes back to Portland to find his pig. And instead of those moments of kind of bombastic, like, rage and anger, we get Cage kind of, like, quietly talking and, like, eviscerating people with his words and kind of doing it that way. And it's it's just like a masterclass in kind of... And it has a met, like meta-textual level to it because it's he's an actor, right? Who's kind of somewhat been in the wilderness yeah. of Hollywood, doing all this straight to VOD stuff. To, so to see him kind of do something which a critics would call like a worthy, or I know it got thrown around at the time when it was out, like it's a return to form for Cage, which is like I don't know if you're someone like me who's kind of been quietly paying attention for all this time. It's like he's been I don't know he's probably got like a the, he's, he's narrowing the ratios from what he used to be it used to be like a, a one in ten was good now it's getting like a one in four is good yeah. and stuff like that like the yeah one in four movies he puts out every year you're gonna get a decent one and Pig is 
I'm gonna have to check it out, lock. man. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to watch it. I haven't seen it. There's some other new ones coming out of, of, of for him as well, and there's some other ones like is it Willy's Wonderland or something like that? The the that could have been on this list. Yeah, it's yeah. a totally silent performance yeah. where he absolutely annihilates a load of uh, theme park attraction like characters come yeah. to life, and yeah. it is him. Yeah, again, it, at one point he curb stomps a uh, animated gorilla thing on a urinal so it's got like yeah that's that's kind of freaky but he doesn't i don't know he doesn't get to use his voice i think is a full-throated cage freak out is when he gets to embody all of it he gets to use his voice his kind of his body and stuff like that and willie's wonderland it's a, it's a bit it's slightly a damp squib of a film somewhat it's, it's good but like it's not it doesn't freak out as much as these ones that i've mentioned today I'll check it out. well if people want to go and uh, find out more uh, about Nick Cage. I guess your podcast is a great place to start, right, Petros? Definitely, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, as I said, I've I've watched every single Nicolas Cage film up until the point now. I've, I've recently did a um, a retrospective look at some films. So had Nick Helm on to talk about the greatly underseen Red Rock West. Um, I had. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess Daryl Edge to talk about Deadfall, kind of really get into the meat and potatoes of what that film is. And I um, I have Jordan Gray coming on to talk about uh, Lord of War. So oh, again, God, it's such a good film now. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, really, really get to get into that one. Yeah. But then, yeah, as I said, all the Cage films are watched. So now you get to hear me talk about the Coppola family and how they, like Cage obviously gets brought up time and time again because he's a part of that weird and wonderful family. And any new Cage film that comes out gets precedent on the podcast and kind of like, that's what we focus on. I mm. kind of want to, well, the, the OG fans get to, yeah, and listeners get to, yeah, still get that. The people who tuned out all those time ago was like, oh, you got to be talking about The Godfather and all these all these good films. We want the wacky Cage films. <laughs> like, don't worry, when The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent comes out, uh, I'm going to be yeah, talking about yeah. it. Or if there's a anniversary for a big film, I'll I'll try and do something. I'll try and interview somebody who was involved or something like that. So, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, I've spoken to, like, you talk about, like, the kind of golden age of Cage. Uh, I spoke to Nicolas Cage's stand-in from 1994 to 2005. So he was on set of Conair, The Rock, Face Off, Lord of War, The Weatherman, Gone in 60 Seconds, Bringing Out the Dead, Adaptation, like, this good 10-year mm. chunk. He was there, uh, even leaving Las Vegas, like, he was there on set and yeah, I had a two hour conversation with him, which is just kind of like really eye opening what it was like to be on those sets, what it's wow. what it's like to work for Nicolas Cage and kind of really uh, dunno, yeah, live that life of basically being him to some weird weird degree, kind of, yeah, being his stand in. That's what incredible. And so if people want to find out more about the podcast, it's available on all the, the usual places, right? Everywhere, Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere, you type in Caged In and I'm sure I'll pop up. You type in Petros. I'm sure I'm one of the the, the, the few people. <laughs> if you Google that, I'll, I'll, that, Caged In will still come up. Glorious. Well, we'll tag you in it when this comes out and it'll be out in a few days' time, I think. Um, Petros, it's been an absolute yeah, delight, great mate. Laugh. Oh, thank you guys Learned so some much stuff, man yeah dude i've written i've got a fair few notes here of, of stuff to <laughs> uh to check out as well so thank you very much man 
I got to say to you guys, a, ma a massive thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I wanted to kind of say this right at the end, but like your podcast was one of the podcasts that made me think, hey, if those guys can do it, <laughs> I guess I can do it. Like, <laughs> take that however you want. Take that, take, take, take Mate, that with, uh, 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 as a good thing uh, or a bad thing. People no, man, literally lovely. listen to any old shit. You could literally <laughs> take a shit down a microphone and and get a listenership i i think um no I've, i i'm glad man that's lovely to hear mate and um it's it's great to see you know anyone write and, and talk on a podcast about what they love so and it's been a pleasure absolutely Thank you very absolutely. much petros cheers man thank you guys cheers it's a drunken soiree in the within chris and stew present our core listing, the podcast.